listen, Bruce was involved in some of the biggest Florida shows. Um, he did Battle of the Belts. You know, he, you know, Dusty right. took him in shows down in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce, Bruce was a well-liked, if not loved, referee. Okay? And uh, I won't get into reasons why, but just Bruce was very, very well-liked. Okay? For a lot of reasons. And, um, you know, there was just, uh, you know, he had a fun way about him. You know, Ric Flair loved him, absolutely loved him. Uh, and, like, on some of the bigger shows at, like, the Orange Bowl and stuff like that, you know, Bruce refereed some pretty high-profile matches and stuff like that. Uh, and he, I think when was, Bruce did the ring announcing on one of them because the announcer Bruce, got sick and Bruce had to announce. Bruce, actually, before Bruce refereed, Bruce was the South Florida ring announcer for the Florida office. And sometimes he would do it for Crockett, too, depending on whether or not, wow. you know, he, he came down. But, yeah, um, when Bruce refereed, when Bruce moved from announcer to referee, Dana Taylor started doing the ring announcing, and he was horrible. But I love Dana. You know, Dana was one of our guys also. But, you know, uh but but you know Bruce yeah but Bruce yeah he he did uh, he did ring announcing that's where he started with um, in the South Florida area. Now talking about ring announcers, I'm going to throw another name at you, <laughs> Blake Chadwick, good friend Blake. Oh, the man, the myth. He is great. He is fantastic. Blake should be working for WWE, and I don't know why he's not. Like straight out, he yeah. is he is the best young play-by-play guy there is. Period. Uh, I think he's better than anybody that they have on their roster right now, including people on Raw and SmackDown. I with the told, exception of Michael Cole. Yeah. I told Blake, like, like literally, with the exception of Michael Cole. And I know, you know, uh, you know, I know Blake is like one of your best friends. He's a he's just he's, he's just a solid talent. One of the best things that Bobby Rogers ever did was recommend him to Paul Jones. And I remember when we were first putting our television together, you know, initially we were going to, I was going to like seriously bring Mick Karch down from Minnesota. And I remember, uh, I remember Paul said like, you know, you should listen to Blake. I said, nah, the guy's too young. Like, listen to him. Like, I want you to, and, and Paul Jones sent me a couple of Blake's matches, and I sat and listened to him. You know, I watched how he called it, and and he was still young and he was still a little rough, but for what we needed, I thought he would be perfect. And so, you know, I made him the offer to do the play-by-play, and then Larry came up with the idea of using um, Simon Says. Is our color, and that's that was our first broadcast team was Blake, was Blake and Simon, Um, and Blake just did a fantastic job, and Blake has grown, and grown, and grown, and grown since you know. Look, we did those first TV tapings ten years ago, right? Twenty twenty twelve. Wow. You know. Yeah, yeah. ten years ago. This August is is literally ten years ago. We did those first Ring Warrior tapings at at Club Cinema. Yeah, that's so, 
look how much Blake has grown in those 10 years. He's really come into his own. And when we did the stuff with WGN, and the fact that he actually, one of the shows he actually did on his own, no color commentator, he did play-by-play color on his own, was unheard of in today's today's world. And I put him up against anybody. So... Yes, he's our boy, but we love we love to take shots at him because he's our boy. We do. We take shots at him. Every, All the time. Every, every, what do you think he shots at this guy yeah. for? <laughs> because, because he's Blake. Why not? Like, like what, can you tell, what can you say bad about Blake it's, Chadwick? It's friendly. He, look, he looks too good. He, hold on. He looks too pretty. <laughs> well, here, I, I, I'll give you a clue in. He, tend, he has a tendency to go to Ben's house to watch pay-per-views and only bring food for himself and no one else. Oh, well, that's, that's cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not even, here's the other scenario, Howard. It's not even that. We've been ribbing him for literally like five or six years, maybe more over this. But it's not even the fact that he doesn't s- spend his own money. Even just let us know you're swinging by somewhere and we would happily Venmo you money. We're not asking you to pay for it, but let us know you're swinging by cheesecake factory or five guys or whatever yes we might want something from there um instead of having to smell your food and watch you eat it all by yourself prison style with like a stabbing fork in your hand in case anyone comes too close to you you know we give him shit about it all the time well he's probably now he probably now does it just for the sake of continuing the rib, right? Right, right, right. You know, yeah. so yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, true right? Enough, true and, enough. But I got, a, I got another, I got another name for you. You ready? Oh, here we go. Yeah, Will Specter. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Lou, Lou is actually a god. Lou is actually. A, a real interesting cat. Uh, nice guy. Look, I got nothing against Lou at all. I do. Lou sometimes, I think, makes himself out to be bigger than he really is in the wrestling business or more important or more of an influence. You mean always. Um, you know, you mean always. He's every, everybody, everybody's best friend. Oh, this guy's my best friend. You know, we were great friends. And, and I don't know if he was or wasn't, you know, you know, great friends with some of these people that he claimed to have been. Um, you know, look, uh, I will tell you this, God's honest truth. When I talked about doing my retirement show, Lou actually reached out to me and just said, hey, you know, I may have a way for you to do your retirement show. It won't cost you any money. You know, uh, you know, and, and he was like straightforward with me about it. So, like, I got nothing bad to say about Lou. That's disappointing. Um, except, ex- except I think just, you know, sometimes I think he puts himself like, I know there was a conversation or there was some kind of a thread I read not too long ago talking about the big show that Bobby Rogers did at the Bergeron Rodeo Arena. Yeah. And it was the night that it was um, Abdullah and Dusty, yeah. Kevin Sullivan, and Terry Funk all did that crazy show. And I know Bobby Rogers paid a shitload of money to these guys to to do that match. And... Right. From what I was reading into the thread that Lou 
basically was taking credit for a lot of the promotion and a lot of the people who were there. Mm-hmm. And in having a conversation with Bobby, Bobby basically said, you know, Lou really wasn't involved at all with that. So, right. you know, he wasn't sure where Lou was coming from on that. So, you know, I Which look at true. things Lou like had nothing that. To do with it. Right. So I look at things like that. And like I said, it's not a knock against Lou because I think what Lou is doing with CCW right now, I know he's, he's out hustling and he's doing promotion and they're killing it. They're doing a lot of shows. They're doing, he, you know, they're, they're doing pretty decent at the gate. So yeah. whatever he's doing right now seems to be working. And God bless him because he's figured out a formula maybe that other people don't have. He, so, uh, he likes to, he, one of the things he likes to do is lean into uh, the heat and lean into the character and the slime and the the Lou like yeah. the Lou uh, image and the Lou like opinion, uh, you know. And, well, well, well. Bear something in mind. What what his gimmick is is not far from the truth of what he is. You know, he's true, and, and that's, true. that's probably what makes him so effective. This is a very very thin line in between there. It's really interesting because a lot of times, no, a lot of times I'll have an opinion on something and he'll contact me. He'll say like, you don't realize how much closer we are to our opinion in something that we agree on as opposed to something we disagree on. And, and I do notice that a lot of things that he posts about, I do have a tendency to agree with. It's how he gets there maybe is a little bit different than my approach to, to a specific thing. But like I said, when when I see yeah. people who are trying to rewrite history or they're trying to and again this goes with the whole thing with, with Jeff and Bruce and you know and other people who who paint a page of history saying that you know they were bigger than what they were. I just don't like that. I yeah. it's it's offensive to and me. He's in that because camp. I was there. He's in that camp. Well, because I was there. You yeah. know, it's like uh, it's like I know it didn't exist. It didn't happen. Right. You know, it's just like right. it, it, it never took place. Well, so but, but tell me well, something that tell me something that does. And honestly, you know? honestly, like when you're talking twenty years later mm-hmm. or so, it's revisionist history, and he, I think that Lou feels uh, free to exaggerate or lie outright about things because a some people aren't around to dispute it anymore that's it's just been a long amount of time and other people well yeah other people aren't going to catch a whiff of it or if they do if it's an eternal thing like you and bobby talking you know bobby doesn't go online and then write a scathing fucking thing it's just not worth his time or 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 whatever well well, well, right well the thing is it's like at the end of the day, like, who gives a shit? Right. Is, is what it comes down to. Yeah. It's, it's not worth like, his like, time. It's but, not worth his time. Yeah. No. It's like, it's like I'll call Bruce out for, for posting the picture, right? Right. But in the grand scheme, do I give a shit that Bruce posted the picture and said it was from Madison Square Garden? No, it's, I don't care. No, it's more funny than anything at this point, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like it's like, okay, you know, haha, you know, yeah, it's, well, whatever. It's that, oh, Bruce being well, Bruce, I, you know? <laughs> you know, right, that would right. be like that's me sitting there right. saying, like, I made my debut on Raw, you know, uh, 30 years ago. <laughs> it's like, come on. Right. It's, it's like, and I know what you were talking about because you mentioned this earlier, that guys who are on the indies, no, they 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 have one match, or they're part of the um, 
when they used to do that party for the one guy who'd come out and be part yeah, of Adam the Rose, right, thing, Adam, yeah. Adam Rose. And they say, oh, yeah, I made my debut on Raw this week. No, you didn't do anything. You were <laughs> part of a, like a right. fucking party scene. Right. You didn't make a debut. You didn't, you're not a former WWE superstar. You're none of that. There was a, you know? there was a moment in time where those people would then post vaguely post their WWE check for appearing as that for that one-off and they would show like you know off you know obscured angle of the WWE check and the WWE letter you know envelope but it didn't say what it was for or how much it was for but it was like my first WWE paycheck and it's like you know unless you know unless you know you don't you know you're I can tell. You're I can working. tell you my first W. My first WWF. My first WWF paycheck was for like one hundred and fifty dollars for an article that I wrote for the magazine back in eighty three. Right. Okay. When I did their television, even though it was an angle to help the NWA, I got a. I got a fee for doing that. Dennis Corloza, Dennis Corloza, and I both received. Five hundred dollars each to be on WWF television. There's like some, yeah. There's some minimum like amount for appearing on television. I yeah, which think... I thought was cool. Look, they gave me five hundred bucks. They flew me up to Connecticut. They put me. They put me in the hotel and mm. in, in, into the hotel room. Some kind of scale. Yeah, it was. It was fine. Yeah. You know. Right. And and the best part, the best part of the whole thing was I got to speak to Howard Finkel because he took care of all the travel arrangements for me. Right. <laughs> I, I got, Howard I got was great. Man. Howard knew everything about everybody. I got one last thing. This has been bothering me for years, and we've got to get to the bottom of it. I need I, to know okay. what happened and how did Fruitgate happen. I need to know why Fruitgate occurred in Miami, Florida, where you only <laughs> Wait, fruit if, for if twelve hours. So, hold on. So if that's Fruitgate. the only if that's the only other thing on your list, I have a person to bring up too. But go ahead with Fruitgate. Okay. So, so Fruitgate. You're gonna to have to speak to Larry Brandon on that because I was not oh, involved. In the, we gotta get Larry. I was not deal. involved. Larry's coming I was on, not man. involved in the food in Miami. So when when we did these TV tapings in Pompano, I made arrangements with the local subway to provide the food. Okay. When we went to Miami and we shot out of the channel, what what did I call it? Channel two or channel thirteen or whatever the hell station that was down there. The uh, the PBS affiliate in Miami, I forget where it was. Um, but we shot out of their studios, um, two days worth of tapings. And there was like no food places around. So instead, uh, we took a budget and Larry went and got fruit from like Publix or something. <laughs> and that's how Fruitgate came about. So we provided fruit. We provided some, you know, Larry always said that the guys, were starting to eat healthier. They weren't, you know, eating the garbage that, you know, the older wrestlers were eating. You know, uh, they would actually have, you know, more healthy meals and things like that. So I think that was the whole thing with with Fruitgate, and and I think JoJo actually it was either JoJo or Vito. One of them came up with the name Fruitgate. I forget which one. I if I had to guess, it was JoJo because he's an instigator, Probably. like all day long. Yeah, but Joe's harmless enough, though. It was the most benign. He was part of the Buffet Brothers, so he's harmless enough. 
Was that was that the same show that Billy came and left before he taped? Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> what happened was, okay, so we were supposed to, we, we knew Billy wasn't going to be able to wrestle, and he had a very short window to come in. He was supposed to come in, do a promo with Scoot. They were going to kind of split up, and then we we're going to set them up to be able to basically drop the title at a later date. So Billy showed up. We were running late in we were running late in production. I was tied up with one thing. He was supposed to get together with Larry. Larry was not available. Billy waited around and then basically said, look, I just, you know, I came down here but to shoot my promo, but, I, you know, there's no time. I'm just going to leave. And he left. Well, well, there's a very famous video that I think the instigator JoJo yeah, shot. Yeah, like, fuck you or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Honestly. Of Billy like, making it. Was a like video. Billy, listen. But Billy wakes up in the morning and says, fuck you to the clock. So, I agree. You know, I Billy, Billy is, is uh, definitely uh, the, the grouchiest person. Uh, yeah, but that can... whole thing's it's the world's biggest work and it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. It's like, you know, like I tease him. Like, you know, you know Billy, like, legitimately the baddest guy and can beat the shit out of pretty much any of the, any of the workers. I always tell him, like, when, I, you know, when I'm speaking to him or something or if I'm, I have something going online, I'm so like, Billy, do I got to come down and, like, and stretch you now or something, <laughs> something to that effect. And he always laughs about it because he, he, he knows like, uh, I don't mean anything by it, but you know, Billy, like, look, Billy is a good talent. And, and, you know, we did something special with him and Scoot, uh, on our television, but you know, it, it couldn't materialize. You know, these guys really were retired when we decided to go into that angle and it was going to be, you know, it was always supposed to be a short term. Uh, thing never long term so when he came down to do the promo and you know wasn't there and you know um, i think it was jason or anthony or somebody shot the video backstage i have to get who it was jojo of course always it was jojo it wasn't yeah. me 100 percent, always jojo jojo loves to stir the shit more than anybody i know yeah, well, you know, look. <laughs> we we even gave we even gave JoJo a win on television over Maxwell Chicago. So, <laughs> well, I mean, just the way yeah, he did have a good match against Torino, though. He did, he did have a great I match. I actually match remember that. Steve. He did. Yeah, he had a great match with Steve Ashley. So, so now that uh, AJ has thrown a couple names at you, and you've you've kind of like, I think you've disappointed him by not. Uh, uh, shooting on a couple of these guys like Lou Spector. I want to know what the what, 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 what's in Hold on, but what is there to shoot on Lou Spector? Talk about that he's involved in the porn industry. He is, and he he admits it. Yeah, you know, so like, 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 what can I say bad about the guy that he doesn't self denigrate himself about? I, 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 I well, that's I, that's I, why I, I said he, he does lean yeah. into it. It's hard to it's it's hard to shoot on the guy when he leans into it. There's really it, nothing to shoot on him about, his, though. He's he's a, he's a, he's a seedy I, lying said, motherfucker. Said, he's a greasy well, fucking seedy motherfucker. Okay, <laughs> hey, well, that's, you shoot on him. I, but, uh, plenty like, of I don't times see I that way because I have, but I because I haven't you know I haven't been that way with him. But I but I do remember certain things that he that he would say or would do when he would come to our shows. I thought one of the funniest things was so. They, the very first show we did at the Armory, um, he thought Anthony was responsible for bringing in 
this whole crowd of people. And I remember him coming to Paul Jones and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how big Anthony is over in this neighborhood. Look at all these people that came in to see him. Well, what happened was we made a deal with, uh, um, I forget the group. Um, uh, it was a club that was not too far away from the armory. They were like across the street. And we it gave them like, like yeah. yeah, it was something like that. But it was a group, and we, uh, for every show, we always gave them like two, three hundred, however many people they wanted to bring, they would bring. And they brought like a hundred people this first night. And it was like a busload of kids. Uh, and they, because you were wrestling against the beast that night, the whole crowd got behind you. Because he scared the hell out of all of them uh, when he came right, out. We, we and it was like the opening, like, and it was like opening it. match. It was opening match, and yeah. we switched it like because we realized that we literally switched it in the ring. Right. So, so Lou was impressed, thinking that you had all this influence over this crowd, and you brought them in. So that's the only thing. Like he just sometimes he didn't get, and he didn't understand. That sometimes we padded the audience. You know, we we gave away tickets to make sure that there were people in there because nobody wants to wrestle in front of fifteen people. You know, and and those kids were those kids were crazy that night. Oh, they were so into everything. Yeah, it was great. So, all right, so Ben, so who do you want to bring up besides me? Not there. The only one I'm curious of uh, because I don't know the the history between you two, but I see a little bit of. Uh, not recently, but like a couple of years ago, I saw a little bit of aggression between you and Ron Nemi. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to discuss him, honestly. <laughs> Just, you know, well, Ron is good for what Ron is. When we were making the decision for our WGN announced team. Okay. Ron was actually in the running to be Blake's partner. Right. The decision was made to let Larry be Blake's partner, and Larry ended up being not great on TV. But the reason being is we actually, and this is something people, a lot of people do not know, Blake and Larry actually did a audition for AAA. So we did one episode of AAA wrestling uh, that our distributor in England was doing, you know, because they took care of AAA on an international basis, and they wanted a new English announcing team. So Larry and Blake, uh, as a team, did a AAA taping. They were so great together on that that there was real chemistry. And it was a different type of chemistry than Blake had with Simon, okay? Like, Simon was too comical, okay? Um, he was fine for what we needed at the time, but to go to the next level, to be like on WGN, he was not serious enough. Larry brought a certain seriousness to what he was doing and the other and the other feeling was look Larry being my co-booker and writing all the shows with me 
would know every storyline, would know every angle, would know exactly what we're doing, and he can help lead the program in the direction that we would need to lead it. So the decision was made that it was going to be Blake and Larry. Ron took great offense at this, but of course, me being me, um, he attacked me on stuff and on a pretty regular basis. You know, I don't know if it was jealousy or whatever the hell it was, because I always was able to move. I was always able to move a product in a certain direction. Okay. I was always able to move a needle in the sense of, look, here's a product, whether we were doing, um, you know, whether we were on in Singapore or whether we were on, in, on WGN, you know, I always had something and it was always given an opportunity to whether it was opportunities to the wrestlers or opportunities to announcers, etc. And I guess he wanted that opportunity and we weren't going to give it to him. And listen, Simon says, you know, John, he, you know, if anybody, he was the one that felt like as an outsider because he really did a good job on the shows that he did do with Blake. Just that we wanted a little bit of a different type of setting and we made the decision to go with Larry rather than, um, you know, if we were going to, if it was going to be a toss up, we would have stuck with Simon. We wouldn't have gone with Ron. So if anyone had had a right to have sour grapes, it would have been Simon, not Ron, for sure. And and Simon was was hurt. Simon was very, very hurt that we didn't, you know, bring him to go with us. Right. You know, I mean, legitimately so. He was, you know, he was, and he had a good reason to. Listen, Simon was very, very good at what he did. But one of the things was we needed somebody who can go to another level. And... At the time, you know, didn't have enough time to kind of nurture him because Simon, I don't think at the time was ready to be a national voice. Right. Well, I agree. I do agree with that, though. I agree with that. That's fair. I just always, I just always see like every now, again, back a few years ago was more like a, more of a thing, but every now and then, like. Ron taking a shot, and uh, I never knew what it was about. I just knew he was. Well, listen, he was taking Ron shots at Howard. Take shots. Listen, Ron's gonna always he'll, he continue to hit shots. Worst worst case scenario, he's gonna hurt my knee because that's as far as he's gonna get. Being wow. being the midget that he is, you know what, what can I tell you? <laughs> this is the stuff we came wow. from right here. Uh, more, there it is. More fuck this guy and that guy's a midget. We love it. Uh, <laughs> Who else you got? I don't have anything. I don't have anyone else. I did like, listen, I did a little bit of prep work for this. I mean, I know this isn't going to be the only time we talk to you, so it's not the end of the world if we don't cover everything. But I was curious about... Uh, something you did before wrestling called the night chronicles. Oh, okay. We'll go, go into pop culture. Yeah, man. Cause I, so, what was that? Like a ra- a horror radio show kind of thing. What, what happened was when like I was a, in college, like a twilight zone type of deal. Uh, kind of, sort of, we did a thing 
Uh, my ex-wife and I, she was my fiance at the time. It's another thing. I'm uh, surprised. I didn't. I didn't know you were ever married. To be honest with you, so that that always that I was that I popped was, me too. I was married. Tw- I was married twice to a female. <laughs> the same one? Wow. I was going to say something too. I was married twice to the same person. Yep. To a girl. Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, we were married 11 years, got divorced, got remarried, and stayed married for five more years before the second divorce. Right. You had to make sure. I, I didn't know that. You had to make sure. I didn't know that. Yeah. So while we were in college, um, I, was, I used to write for a magazine called Starlog. Very familiar with it. They made uh, Fangoria okay. also. Yeah, they made Fangoria. They also did a magazine called Comic Scene. Yeah. Um, and and I wrote for Comic Scene. So, so I met George Perez was through, mm-hmm. uh, was, was when I was writing for Comic Scene, and they had one of the first uh, comic conventions in Gainesville. At the time, I met George Perez, and I met a couple of other, uh, met a couple of other people up there. Um, but anyway... Um, and, and for those who who have no idea who George Perez is, of course, one of his most famous creations is Crisis on Infinite Earths. He so, is um, he is a huge artist in the comic industry. He just recently passed away, but uh, he uh, he may be the most prolific artist, other than maybe Jack Kirby and John Byrne. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, right the up. Early, the, he's the right days. up yeah. there. Like, I don't know if there's any other artists that have created <clears throat> more work in the comic book industry than maybe those three names. And George Perez yeah, is the, either and the breadth and the yeah, yeah, right. the breadth and the scope of what he's created is amazing. Right, it's exactly, amazing. exactly. And a sweetheart so, of a man. So, like he would sing show great. tunes with you. He always had time to talk to you. Uh, would remember your name. When he would run into you again, great, just a tremendous human being, absolutely. So, so the so the first time I met him, I actually had him. He did a a drawing for me, which was Howard the Duck getting his head cut off by Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> <laughs> like with the blade and the blade coming through and cut off cut off Howard the Duck's head. And oh. I had this for the longest time, and I had, and having moved. So many times over the years, it just got lost. I never knew where it was. So a couple of years ago, I was going to actually commission him to do a different work for me. So I had this like, idea for like a super team that I wanted him to draw. Um, and that's when he started having problems with his eyesight, and he wasn't, and he stopped doing a lot of the commission work. So like, if you didn't have a ready commission piece in place, he wasn't going to do a new one. Uh, so I never got it done, but yeah, I was willing to pay for for his stuff. Just a phenomenal guy. But anyway, uh, so Night Chronicles basically, um, I used my one of my interviews that I did for Starlog is I wrote about. Um, now we're talking about like the early '80s here. We're talking about like '81, '82. Right. So I did an interview with Adam West on the new Batman movie, because he wants to play Batman. And, of course, the uh, the producers, they didn't want him to play Batman. They felt they wanted to go in a, in a much more serious direction. Um, but I got to meet Adam, and I got to be friends with him. So when I came up with this idea to do this half-hour 
kind of like um, news show about science fiction, fantasy, and horror. It would include an interview with a, you know, with a, a, a personality. It would include some news about different movies or different comic books or books or whatever the hell it would be. You know, and then we would play like a song, a music, you know, a musical piece, something that had to do with whatever the theme was for that particular show. So the very first show we did was an interview with Adam West. Um, and because of that, I was able to line up other guests. And we had some great guests, like Vincent Price. I had him on, uh, which was my, one of my favorites. And then I actually had a couple of interviews that never made it to the air. We actually lost our sponsorship um, before it made it to the air. But one of my my greatest interviews, and I actually have it on a reel-to-reel audio tape. And if I could ever find a reel-to-reel audio player, I would actually transfer it over. It's an interview I did with a writer by the name of Isaac Asimov. I, I read a lot of um, his books back in the 80s. And Isaac Asimov is... is probably the most prolific writer in history, period. He has written something for like every area of the Dewey Decimal System. Um, so he's written science, science fiction, uh, like all sorts of stuff. I would, I would uh, argue that Stephen King may have caught up to him by now, but, so, but yes, he, uh, he, he wrote so a speaking, shitload. So speaking of... Right, so speaking of Stephen King, I also, as, as you probably know, that I worked with Stephen King's son as well. I, so, saw, I, I um, saw that too, that you had uh, you had licensed uh, something or other? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a pretty interesting uh, story. I'll get to that in a second. So, so we had these different, like, you know, different guests on Night Chronicles, uh, and then we would play, you know, music, and we would have some different things, and... You know, we only ran for like um, we only ran like eight weeks. <laughs> it was not very long, but it was some of the greatest stuff that I think I've ever done. Because you know, I got to meet so many people, and I talked to so many people, like off the record about stuff. You know, like like Vincent Price was trying to get Orson Welles to come on the show with me. You know, and it was like like a great story, like him telling me about going out to dinner with Orson Welles. I couldn't put it on this show because he was saying some really nasty stuff. But he was, <laughs> but like the stuff about Orson Welles was fantastic. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to get Orson Welles on the show. And he, tr- and actually Vincent Price tried to get Orson Welles to come on the show with me, but he, he did not agree to come on. Um, I mean, that's, a, uh, but I was like, that's a huge ask. If you had gotten that, that's like, that would have, oh yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. But Vincent Price, but, but Vincent Price was like the coolest guy. Yeah. Like, like when I was interviewing him, he was just like, he was like, he was just, he was easy to talk to. He was very forthcoming. He had just done Thriller. So he did the voice on Thriller, which was like the biggest album in the world which was at the time. Probably re- like, it, like a small shot in the arm for him in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, he'd had like a 50, 60 year career uh, to that point. Absolutely. And then, you know, to just be like the voice in a music video that is the height, like the peak of pop culture in like whatever, yep. Yep. whatever year thriller. I mean, I remember like 
we would know like MTV would say when the next time Thriller was airing and we would keep checking yep. our watch to go tune into the TV to watch Thriller when it came on again. You know, the like like the yeah. extended Vincent version. Vincent scared the shit out of me. <laughs> he scared the shit. Like as a kid, I was so petrified of him just because of Thriller because the way he like in the like that was, he was scary as shit. I think most people oh, yeah, his nowadays either know him from Thriller or from Edward Scissorhands, they don't know the older yeah, stuff. Yeah, they don't know the older right. stuff. But no, and his old, and his older stuff is his great stuff. Right. Fall of the House of Usher, like House, Pit in the Pendulum, like House of the Long House Shadows, of Wax, and, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, House of the Long Shadows was one of my favorite of of his. Just like just some great stuff, and like I said, super nice, super super nice guy uh, to talk to and. Um, th- that was like one of my, but my favorite conversation of anybody that I have interviewed was Isaac Asimov because that was the, f- it was the funniest call I had ever had with somebody who was of a celebrity manner because, um, I, I call, I call Isaac Asimov and I leave him my voice, you know, I leave him a message and I don't hear back from him. So I call him the following week and he gets on the phone. I said, like, I left you a voicemail. He says, he goes, yeah, I tried calling the phone number. He says, but it says it was the wrong area code. And he's reading me, like, and he gives me, like, a 305. Now, at the time, I'm living in Gainesville, and Gainesville was, like, I think it was 813 at the time or 407, whatever it was. It was before they had so many different area yeah. codes. It was, it, was, it was still only three area codes, um, oh, uh, four yeah. area codes in So 305 in was, like, South it Florida, was, yeah. Yes, 305 was South Florida. It was 813 was the West Coast, 407 was the, up in the middle, and then yeah. 904 yeah, was up in up by Jacksonville. Right. And and that was it. There was nothing else, right? So um, so he sits there and he says, like, he goes, well, I dialed 305. I go, 305? <laughs> so he was looking at a map, an area code map, from, like, 1960, where the whole state of Florida was 305. <laughs> It's like wow! It's like you're a little outdated there. I think. Uh, you know, uh, to me it was like it's funny because like uh, he's like one of the most prolific guys ever. You know, with just the wrong piece of just like, like reference material. But that's why he's cloistered up writing all day. He's not. He's yeah. not. You know, he's a little eccentric, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't update his information. You know. Exactly. Exactly. I got one more name when you're ready. And I think uh, this is probably one that's going to take well, a while. Well, let, let Howard talk All about right. the Stephen King connection, and then we'll we'll do that. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, go so, ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so Stephen King. So I'm out, actually, I produced a, um, a little radio segment for radio stations called Squared Circle. And it was like this little two-minute piece. It was a daily piece supposed to be played like during morning shows. And I'm out hustling, trying to sell this thing. And one of the radio stations that contacts me is in Bangor, Maine, WZON, and a guy by the name of Mark Wellman. Mark Wellman's the program director at WZON. He's also the promotions manager. Well, WZON is owned by Stephen King. So they want the wrestling show, but they also have these little vignettes that Stephen King put together, and they want to know if I would be interested in marketing it for them. So, of course, I'm like looking at Stephen King as being a freaking cash cow 
Right. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so the guy flew down to Florida. We wrote up a contract. And now I'm representing Stephen King and selling his uh, thing called Lists That Matter to radio stations. I should have stuck with the wrestling because nobody was buying that thing. Really? I couldn't get a sponsor. I couldn't get anything to, I, I couldn't get enough traction under Stephen King's project to make it worthwhile. And the money that I had already spent on creating the wrestling show, I was actually losing a whole bunch of money. So it ended up, the whole project ended up going south. So like, uh, so Stephen King was successful on everything except radio because of me. So. <laughs> what a mush you are come on howard i was gonna say that i think you mushed it yeah all right so so one last name here bruce santee bruce santee because i know i was there for this so i know you probably you probably got a lot to say <sighs> this is hard okay because um, I haven't spoken to Bruce in almost four years. When we made the decision to move forward with Ring Warriors out here in Vegas, we, Larry and I made the conscious decision not to include Bruce Santee. Now, there was a lot that went behind that. Bruce was a great champion for us. Um, he, you know, we, we put a lot behind him. When Bruce was going through some personal issues and people wanted him to be, like, thrown off our shows and things like that, we stuck behind Bruce and we backed him and we never let these outside influences you know, move us off of our position. We were always going to back Bruce. So Bruce was very opinionated, very pig-headed. Um, but Bruce had some personal issues. And, um, and Bruce liked to drink, unfortunately. And, and this is hard for me to talk about because, uh, because I really do like the guy. Um, and, and I know that he has recently, from what I've, from what I've heard through the grapevine, that he has recently gone through, um, uh, some rehab and he has gotten help and he is getting healthy and he is doing much better. And I am very, very glad to hear that. Um, at the time though, um, so we did a TV taping in Tampa and at the TV taping, Bruce showed up drunk and created a, a lot of problems backstage. Uh, we were supposed to run this angle with him and the Sheik and, and there was heat between them to begin with. Um, but we, we felt we squashed it. We came up with this angle, um, that would actually, it would get both of these guys over in their gimmicks. Um, but when Bruce kind of showed up drunk, we kind of had to throw those plans out the window. It wasn't going to work out. And, you know, 
he didn't want to get into the ring with Bruce, and I don't blame him. You know, he would have been, you know, you, you cannot get into the ring with somebody who's impaired. Now, Frankie Chiazzo ended up getting into the ring with him just because Bruce was creating a scene backstage and wanted to have a match. And and he and Frankie hadn't talked in a while before that match, and they beat the hell out of each other out there, actually. I believe I believe but, they had their own... But, their own issues leading they did. before. Oh, that. they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right before they that, they had no, a long time. That's true. They, they, they didn't talk mm-hmm. for a number of months before that incident. Right. Okay. Uh, but, but Frankie didn't want Frankie didn't want there to be an issue, another issue backstage involving law enforcement or anything. So he agreed to be the one to go into the ring with Bruce to shut Bruce up so Bruce would get his match in front of his crowd because he had family members there and some other stuff. But Bruce, but Bruce was not Bruce. You know, he, he was not on his best and he was not as sharp in the ring as he should have been or could have been, you know, and that's through nobody's fault except his own. So when that happened, you know, we made the conscious decision that there was no way we were going to, we were going to put any more money or any more, anything behind him or it was just not going to, you know, I always felt like he, I I felt that at that point in time, Bruce felt he was entitled. Like, like he was the guy that he was, you know, he carried the banner of the company. And when he did, he did it very well. You know, he protected the company. uh, You know, he went out there and he did his thing for us. And I was always very appreciative of that. When we made the decision not to book him in Vegas, Larry was supposed to contact Bruce ahead of time and tell him what the decision was. So this way, when we started announcing who was on the card and Bruce wasn't going to be part of it, that Bruce wouldn't go flying off the handle anywhere. Okay? Well, Larry didn't engage Bruce and never told him. So, of course, Bruce was pretty pissed off about this. Especially if he's finding out online, as opposed to not hearing. Yeah, he—he—that's he, exactly. It's the right. same way that it's the same way that Simon found out that he wasn't going to be part of the broadcast team. He found that online. You know, in in hindsight, we should have called him and had that those conversations with him as well. So, rightfully so, Bruce was upset. Now, we fast forward, and I forget what year. It was, and it might have been the following year. Um, and you're going to have to give me a second here because i I, I got to get my thoughts together um, because I'm going to actually look up this date online. Okay. So, so, well, while you do that, while you look for that, that night was Frankie, and they hadn't spoken in a while, and Frankie was actually nervous to get into the ring with Bruce, but he did it because, like you said, he was trying to, you know, it was trying to just smooth everything over. Uh, it was to the point right. where Pete Cannon was with us, and Pete, you know, we had some strict instructions that if Bruce ha- flew off the rails, like, you know, they wanted us to, like, yeah, go Pete was going to shoot him. Just Pete always carried a yeah. gun with him. No, I, I, I know. But, well, Pete, yeah. had a, Pete had a knife on him in the, at the ring, and I said, I'm not getting involved because I like Bruce. Like, Bruce is my boy. Like, he always has been for right. 20 years. Like, I wasn't getting involved in that. And I was like, I knew Bruce would do the business good with Frankie because as much as they had heat and hated each other, they really didn't hate each other. Those guys loved each other forever. 
So I knew that it wasn't going to fly, but, but Pete was ready to stab somebody if he had to. And that was the scary right. part. So, so what happened was, okay, so we go ahead and we have our first TV taping in Vegas in uh, August, right? Um, yeah, August 2018. Right? Is it August? Whatever the hell. How, yeah, we, we, I know we had two tapings. We did August and October. We did August and October. Right, okay. So in October, in early October, I'm actually even thinking of a way of how to bring Bruce back. Okay, like I'm thinking of these, I'm trying to think of ways of, you know, I, I've always been the type of person I never liked leaving a, like I don't like leaving a, a, a piece of history open. I like to have something nice and clean, right? So you have the guy who was an undefeated champion, somebody like Bruce, that never lost the title, right? So it's like, how can we bring him back? Well, okay, so in October, because uh, we were planning on a later taping, planning on one for like December and January. So uh, Leroy Howard, who was Navy SEAL, passes away in early October of 2018. Now, Leroy, I had known for years and actually had booked him on shows that I did. I actually got him a tryout with the WWF at the time uh, with Dory Funk Jr. Uh, and actually had them work against each other on a show to show Dory how, just how good Leroy was. Okay. Now, Bruce doesn't know any of this and has no clue on what my relationship with Leroy is. When Leroy passes away, I posted a little thing online about something about Leroy. And Bruce sends me a private message. And it's like, well, what the hell do you mean by that? And then he like, starts getting into me about all this Ring Warrior shit. It's like, you're a snake in the grass. And, you know, you could have booked me and Leroy. And then he goes like, Leroy didn't ever like you. You know, he knew what you were. You know, you're, you know, you're a two-faced person. All this bullshit. Jesus. So I'm like, it's like, where the hell is this coming from, Bruce? It's like, you know, I've been nothing but supportive of you. And he's like, the wrong person died. It should have been you who died, not Leroy. Holy shit. That's stiff. So, That's stiff as hell. I'm like, really? Like, you know what? I don't fucking need to be talking to you. I don't need to be hearing from you. I don't need to be associating with you. We're done. I stopped all my communication with him, and I blocked him. Now, I don't know if this was him being a drunken asshole that fueled his tirade toward me, but it was uncalled for. It was unjustified. And it's like, you know what? I could, I, I, I don't want to deal with this guy anymore. You know, I put, I put my company at risk having him as our champion. Okay. When other people turned their backs on him, we stood behind him. And to be told that, whether it's in the text or a message or verbally or whatever the hell it was at the time, I didn't need that. And it was like, you know what? He's nothing to me. 
done. And and that's why Bruce never came back to the Ring Warriors. You know, um, he could have, because I believed in him. I really did believe in him. You know, um, and when we were, and I, and let me tell you something. Even after that happened, when you know about two years ago, we started floating around the idea of actually bringing Ring Warriors back again. You know, even my retirement show, to give you an idea, what I was thinking of for my retirement show was to actually have Cross. I have Kevin Cross against Bruce. You know, the, the, the undefeated champion who never came, who never got his, who really never lost his title against the guy who technically has the title. But it's like, you know, why put myself out there? You know, why, why risk that? You know, so that's what happened with Bruce. You know, do I forgive him? At this point, I forgive him for what he said. I will never forget it, but I've forgiven him. I I I would. I feel like here's what I feel. I feel like yes, all the suspicions on where his mind was at when he said those things to you, and and et cetera, et cetera. I think he's in a completely different place nowadays. I think things were said, feelings are hurt. Over the course of all this stuff about you guys not using him, it's this, that, and him saying those things to you, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that neither one, it's kind of one of those things where neither one at this point feels like you could cross the bridge and, and mend the fences. But I think if you two are in the same room together, enough time has passed from all those things where you could sit down and have a good talk and 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 I'm sure hash it out. But he he has changed dramatically. I have to tell you, he has definitely changed. The way he is is the way he talks in our group chat. He's definitely changed. Well, like I said, I got no ill feelings towards him. But like I'm saying, I wish him it, to- a lot of time has passed where it's like, I don't know that he's even feels like there's a, there's an opportunity or an option to reach out and mend a fence. And probably same with you. Like and so much time has passed. It's just like, You've you've grown accustomed to not talking to him as opposed to having him in your yeah, life well, again. Listen, you know what I mean? It's it's like I um look, I'm not planning on doing any shows anytime soon. If I if I was, would I consider using him? Yeah. I will I will always con- listen. One thing I learned from Dusty was you don't have to like somebody, you don't have to get along with somebody to do business with them. It's like is it going to be good for your business? Is it going to help you for your business? And the answer is, yeah. I don't have to be the guy's friend to, to, to book somebody. But, you know, at this point in time, I'm not booking on any, I'm not booking any shows or anything like that. So is there an, is there a need to talk to the guy? Look, if the guy ever wanted to reach out and legitimately wanted to apologize for what he said, because there was no reason to say what he did. Right. You know, I agree. You know, we already, you know, we already apologized to him for not doing the right thing by not telling him that, you know, we were, we were not booking him. He was owed that courtesy and he was unfortunately not given that courtesy. He did deserve to be told ahead of time, just like Simon was. And we didn't tell him either. You know, and those are the two guys that, you know, I think we, we did wrong by them in that regard. But, you know, to be told that, um, the wrong person died? No, no. That that don't fly with me. Yeah, that, that wasn't cool. No. no I agree. Definitely stiff. I agree. 
Well, I went too far. Yeah. Well, that's a, this is a, I feel this is a good place to put a pin in it. I know you just Howard just brought up a name that I think we haven't even discussed yet uh, in terms of Dusty, and I know you you co-wrote a book with him or or wrote the book for him or I don't know exactly, but I think that that's definitely something that uh, is going to take more than we're already two hours in. Uh, yeah, I, I see that. I'm like, holy crap. I think that, yeah, <laughs> time flies. But uh, I think uh, that's definitely something we would want to touch on on a, on a, on another podcast. Um, but uh, but I, 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 I'm afraid to dive into it now. We'll be on hour three before you know it, because that's, that's for sure uh, substantive. Um, but uh, uh, I know that I, at least Anthony's run out of names for now to try and fucking get you to... <laughs> <laughs> whatever he's, I know he's trying to trip well, you up. he's trying to trip you up and well, you no, have definitely handled the uh, the uh, what do you call it the Spartan race that he's thrown in front of you when it comes to I, I thought I was having that loose sector <laughs> well, well look, look look here's the thing you know Bruce was at one time one of my favorite people in the wrestling business I would do anything for the guy Look, one of the things that I made sure happened when, okay, so when we did our thing with Ring of Honor, right, the week that we did WrestleMania, a lot of people don't realize. So Bruce wins the Ring Warriors Grand Championship um, that Thursday night. Friday night, he defends his title for the first time. He defends it against Wes Briscoe on the Ring of Honor card at the War Memorial Auditorium in Fort Lauderdale. I made arrangements with Ring of Honor that so we can get the rub back from the from the major company that our championship would be on the line on their card. Right. Okay. That's great exposure for our brand, and it was great exposure for Bruce. For Bruce, yeah. You know, to be on the you know to be on the card in that same building with all of those guys. I th- I think when you're you know when you're like. Uh... In the state Bruce was in a lot of the time, you don't have the perspective you need uh, to look at but things. He, but and he understand. did it that. But he did it that time. Listen, at that time he wasn't that bad. I I don't know what happened. Sometimes look, sometimes guys start to believe their own press. Yeah, we put a lot behind Bruce. We built him up to be this invincible character, right? Yeah. We made him this larger than life figure for our television because quite frankly, he was our Hulk Hogan. That that was the model that we were going after. I wanted the biggest, best looking, legitimate looking champion. Okay. Somebody that if you looked at it, you could say, Jesus Christ, this guy could really beat the shit out of you. Right. And, and he has and when you look at Bruce, he has some and when of you that look at Bruce, it that's factor. the way Bruce carries himself. He has yeah, the it listen, factor, it, he can talk, all that stuff. Bruce, when he was on, could be as good as anybody. But I was warned by people in the WWF where he had gotten a look at that he might not necessarily be the guy that we would want overall. And they knew something that I didn't. Or that we didn't. And that was that little bit of instability that he had. But, you know, would I change anything? No, nah, in, in hindsight, I wouldn't have changed anything. Except maybe 
been a little bit more tougher love and trying to help get him help sooner than than later, you know. Um, like I said, you know, I, I I don't wish anything ill of Bruce. I'm glad that he is in a good headspace right now from what I hear. Uh, I'm glad that he is taking care of himself, you know. Um, and if I saw him in a room, I would go over and extend my hand. And if he takes my hand, fine. You know, like I said, I think that's all if he apologized. I think that's all if, if he if he. If if he apologized, I would accept his apology and move on. I'm 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 a hundred percent sure if you two were in the same room together, it would just naturally go that way. Uh and, yeah. and listen, me and me and AJ love the guy, but we don't we never had to do business with the guy. You know what I mean? We never had to uh to rely on him being responsible for us. You know what I mean? So uh it's a right, different right, it's right. it's a it's a totally different dynamic. Uh but understand. But we can we can obviously put ourselves in your shoes and see, and especially when you say things that you know we we didn't know before. Like I mean, telling you that that you you should have died. I mean that's that's insane. And obviously that's something that that comes from someone off of hurt feelings and they're not in their right mind. And obviously, if you know, I, I and I'm not apologizing for Bruce, but I think you know Bruce well enough to know that that's 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 not Bruce. At at the end of the day. That's that's whatever Bruce became. And like you said, believing his own stuff or or being in a bad place or dealing with his demons or whatever it is that 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 was the perfect storm of you catching that. Um, But again, nothing was resolved from that. So that's the last lingering moment you kind of have from him, uh, which is unfortunate, which is absolutely unfortunate. Um, Well, look, you know, Fonzie back in the NWA 53rd, punched me in the face, broke my eyeglasses, <laughs> gave me a black eye, and I saw him at CAC, and we buried the hatchet. You well, know, time time heals, time heals all wounds, let's, you know? Let's Just, end with a quick, why did he punch you in the face at the 53rd? <laughs> and then we're you out of here. You don't know this story? No. Oh, okay. So, we were just talking about Fonzie the other day about uh, you know so, so, AJ okay, having so a relationship NWA, with him. It's at the NWA 53rd. Fonzie was uh, having his issues at the time. Okay, <laughs> seems now, like it, I didn't book, obviously people know I this did, seems to be a wrestling theme. Someone having their issues yeah, so, at the time. <laughs> so, so I didn't book Fonzie for the show, even though He'd been booked on all of our shows up to that point, but I didn't book him on this particular show for budget reasons and everything like that. Right. It's the NWA 53rd anniversary show. So I'm in the, I'm actually in the office doing payroll and I'm actually giving David Sierra, you know, a Cuban, mm-hmm. Cuban says. his payoff. And all of a sudden I hear the fucking whistle from Fonzie. It's like, what the fuck is that? And David's like, that's Fonzie. I go, how the hell could it be Fonzie? He's not even booked on this show. This is like we're talking <laughs> about from that other yet? show. <laughs> so, no. So, Fonzie went out there and he was with Buck Quarterman because Buck was defending, because uh, Fonzie would manage Buck um, and he was defending the Florida title against the uh, Cyborg or whatever. And he ends up working the show. It's like, oh, God. I, it's like, I don't have fucking any more money. I got, like, no more money. I'm, like, out. So at the end of the night, Fonzie's, like, looking for a payday. And I go, like, Fonzie, I didn't book you. I don't have any money. 
says, what do you mean? I, I, I worked the show for you. So he's getting all hot. And it's like, look, I can't deal with this right now. I got to get the fuck out of here. It's like at the end of the night, a long night, I just, we just did this whole huge angle with Hashimoto and Carino <laughs> with the Japanese press and, and all this stuff. And it was just a very, very long night. So I just said, like, look, we'll talk about this later. And I go to leave. And I put my hand in my pocket. And the next thing I know is, boom, Fonzie opens up a barrage of punches on me. And I'm, like, shocked. You know, like, he's not going to knock me out. I mean, the guy's 135 pounds. And I'm, like, you know, at the time, like, 280, whatever the hell it was. As I, I was, I was absolutely shocked. So he hit me in the face and it broke my glasses and it cut me over my eye. And I was just like, I was just like absolutely in shock. And I started bleeding and I was like, I don't need this shit. I, and that's all I kept on saying to myself was I don't oh, need this. Yeah. I don't need to be, you know, it's like, it's like, again, it's like another person who, like, is unappreciative of the shit that you do. You know, it's like, why am I involved in this business? And remember, I'm going through all this turmoil at home at the time, personally. Um, I'm trying to avoid getting divorced. I'm going through all of this shit. And then this happens. And I'm like, this is so fucked up. So, anyway, they pull him off. He leaves. Um, Bill Burns actually helps clean up my face. Uh, Mimi um, and that guy uh, Devin Nash. So I remember. And now I'm, walk yeah. I'm walking towards my car. So everybody's pretty much gone. I'm walking towards my car, and all of a sudden, Fonzie comes back in the car with this other guy. Now, this other guy that was his buddy, um, definitely a drug dealer. He used to show up all the time with pills to give the guys and stuff like that. And, you know, something was going to go down. Nimi, Larry, Chris Tipton, and uh, Devin Nash made sure that nothing was going to happen. And I remember Larry screaming, Bill, get back into the fucking car. And then when the other guy was starting to get out of the car, he goes, don't even try it. Don't even try it. I remember Larry saying, don't even, don't even attempt it. Just get the fuck out of here. And and the guys left. So who the hell knows what was going to go on? The guy, the guy could have pulled a gun and shot me. Who the fuck knows? Over you know, that was over a, like him working his way onto a show oh, oh, that you never payday. over that you never yeah, like over. invited him to work. Never talked no, money I never with him. him but, right? But, yeah. But but bear in mind, like every show that we had, every show. Now he he claims at the time that the reason he hit me. Was when I went into my pocket, he thought I was going to pull out a gun. Oy. It's like, really? He says, well, I don't know. I, I just, it's like, come on. You know. And when like, you're, with your uh, hand in your pocket, you're less able to even defend yourself. It's just like a, it's like a sucker's punch is sucker punch. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, yeah. Well, like I said, it was, it, it's not like he was going to knock me off my feet or anything. Because like I said, the guy, you know. You know, weighed what one thirty? You know, whatever the fuck it was that he weighed. Right, depending how you know, many I was, ounces. And I, of I, and I was—I've always been 
I've always been a pretty hefty guy. It's hard to knock me off my feet. I mean, his you his know, weight but, probably fluctuates depending how many fluids he had to donate that day for a few bucks, or uh, or well, I'm, I'm sure, well, or how much he lost in the were, ring because he's. We listen, were talking there were, about there were, there were ongoing there were ongoing jokes for years about Fonzie about certain things, and it's like, look, well, you know, it's like, look, well, right, that's fine. So when he was out in CAC, we actually took a picture together. It was kind of funny, and it was like, yeah, you know, like you you bury the hatchet and you move on. Like, who cares? Because it's in the grand scheme of things, it meant nothing. I agree. I think we we, we told the Fonzie story. We told the Fonzie story the other day where he wasn't booked on the show down in South Florida, and he wasn't at the show, wasn't booked on the show. But at the after party, we're in a room, like a a hotel room, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. We open the door, and it's Fonzie. But he wasn't on the show. He wasn't even like anywhere to be seen until the knock at the door. We opened the door, and he was like, "Hey!" I think he came in with a joint, and uh, or did he have his own <laughs> joint, or did he? I don't even remember. And uh, we were like, "Where the hell did he come from?" He wasn't even anywhere near the show, and just showed up. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> we were like, "How did he even know?" Like he just, I mean, that being Sandman were on the show, but I don't know what he was doing in. Fort Lauderdale but at he, that moment to show. But he hung out with us. Him. He didn't come to. He didn't go to Sabu's room or Sandman's room. Right. He hung out with us for like an hour at least. That is. <laughs> yeah. He he uh, he smoked he smoked everybody's stuff and then all of a sudden we look he's gone he left. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that that's what makes a good story. That's for sure. Right. Right. Because we were like, where the hell did he come from and where did he even go? He just disappeared. He he left like yeah. Like, he, uh, yeah. Clint Eastwood at the end of Pale Rider, you know, just just kind of just kind of disappeared into the distance. <laughs> disappeared into the distance, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Well, I think I think let's wrap it up here, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll we definitely have some stuff to talk about uh, on a future show. But I really appreciate you taking the time, Howard. Uh, you know, uh, I think even for a different side of stories we've even already told like like the uh like the ben's balls rib uh i think right i, I think so it, so we start with ben so we start with ben's balls and we finish it up with become full circle. listen i got two of them that's how you bookmark a show one on each end you know there we go <laughs> but uh we, uh we appreciate it very much and uh listen uh we definitely would love to have you again to uh shoot the shit Anytime you're uh... and anytime is listen. It's been enjoyable. I know it's went way way longer than you guys wanted to, but um, you know I mean, sometimes you, you ask me a question, I'm going to talk. I like so, I well, like now I, don't have to, now I don't have to record this week. It gives me an extra day off. Listen, I like when they run long, but AJ gets a little antsy and needs to eat every hour. So I do, I do. You know, sometimes it's a little tough for him. I'm I surprised. A, I, got, I got meatball subs to cook tonight. I'm surprised we didn't hear any pots and pans banging in the last hour with him getting ready to cook something. Oh, we're we're, we're getting there. We're about ten minutes sometimes, away. I'm making meatball parm hero tonight. Sometimes it sounds like the Heat won a, uh, a, a, a you know a world title. We're in We get all the pots and pans going on in the background. I hear ya. <laughs> so uh, I think yeah. we'll we'll wrap it up here. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, we'll uh, we definitely have to do this again. This was fun. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me on. I, I I appreciate it. I had a good time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah, it for sure. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Howard. You're welcome. Thank you. All right.